Welcome to the Soul Traveler Podcast, an exploration of conscious living with your host, Jennifer Mitchell of The Soul Experience. Join Jennifer as she explores the quantum realms of the subconscious mind and all aspects of spirituality. Driven by curiosity and a thirst for knowledge, topics will stretch the boundaries of your imagination and revive your mind, body, and soul. Hello, Soul Travelers, and welcome back to another episode. I am your host, Jennifer Mitchell. Today, I am joined by Jacinia, who is an Akashic Record reader, author, psychic medium, and coach known as Architect Jacinia. And Jacinia, so you're able to operate the quantum realms and connect with spirit. And as humanity evolves right now, it's so important that we work with these people one-on-one and we help people wake up. So I'm really excited to hear more about what you do and the modality that you've created. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. I'm really excited to share. So my process has evolved over time and it's very unique to me and my gift structure. It kind of starts somewhere with a soul review and the basic work revolves around what we call the Akashic records. So soul records, they contain records of all of creation, really. And when I'm working with a client, I like to start with the soul structure, which reviews their origins, their archetypes, characteristics, qualities, deeply traumatizing wounds that affected the soul structure auric field. And then I move into past lives or records that created damage to the soul or repeated patterns. And then we move into gifts, gift development, gift training, and, and I also have the ability to access spirit guides and do mediumship and then do future life planning where we're working on whatever's coming. I call that psychic life coaching because it's about holding ourselves accountable to that plan so that we can follow through and see it come into fruition. And so it's like what we call, I've called it multidimensional therapy because <laughs> that's what it feels like. It feels like we're going into the soul, understanding its origins, clearing all of our blocks, getting to meet ourselves better and then tapping into our power again by remembering where we came from. So it's a thick process, but it has a lot of really profound results. And I just love the process. And it sounds absolutely amazing. I can't wait to dive right in and learn all about it. Can you start, though, by maybe telling listeners a little bit about your journey and how you started on this path of helping and becoming a soul architect? Well, Spirit gave me that name when I started my business. It was a couple of different things before that. And I was really struggling because I do read gifts. And one of the things I've learned is that nobody has one gift. And I believe everybody has gifts. And what we found in the healing process when I'm working with all of my clients and they're doing their own work and they're clearing all this past life traumas is their gifts continue to amplify and amplify and amplify. And so they were starting to say, I'm hearing things, I'm feeling things, I'm much more sensitive, I'm much more clear. And then what we found out is there's this energetic reconstruction that happens when we heal layers of the soul, where if we think about trauma or anger, if you're angry, your energy is diverted, you're triggered, you're reactive, you're responsive, that's wasted energy. It's inefficient energy. Mm-hmm. Now, if we healed that anger, if we managed our response, what happens is we fuel the gift. So instead of being reactive, we're being responsive, right? We're tapping in, we're learning from it. We're not wasting energy inefficiently. So they explained it to me that it's energetic reprogramming, that we are taking all the wasted inefficient energy and we're repurposing it into something useful, which is the gift. And that it's the purpose right now is to be healing and aligning to our gift because we are essentially at the mouth of the spiritual awakening. So I like to call it the birth of the spiritual new age. But I know everybody's got their own name for it and their own belief system around it. But thats I believe that's where we're at and that everybody's stepping into their power and understanding their ability and their responsibility here. Absolutely. And a couple of things I want to go back and touch on. First and foremost, I wholeheartedly agree. Healing trauma is such a crucial step for us to step into our gifts. And I know some people are probably like, trauma healing because it's everywhere right now and we, we hear so much about it but there's a reason why because it is so important we can't move forward and we can't step into our true authentic power and receive these gifts that we're meant to in order to achieve our life purpose without doing the work first when you're talking you mention they talk to me explain who they are is that your guides is it your higher self your intuition when when you talk about that who who are you referring to 
everything. It depends who <laughs> specifically and the message, but we generally should connect to our higher self. That is the best place to get information. Our higher self manages this incarnation and then our spirit team is constantly working through us. So usually when I mean they, the collective team, my higher self and my guides working together to help deliver messages. Now, the actual message would depend on the they. Like for example, if I've spoken to and channeled Einstein, then it would be Einstein's higher self and his team. Mm -hmm. So it depends on um, the person. If it's in if it's an ascended master, then it would be the specific ascended master or that that place or that space or they as teachers. But it, every message is like the they is different. I always say spirit or they because to me, it's just like there's so much out there. I do help people learn to target where they're getting their message. Because if we mm-hmm. cannot understand where we're getting our message, there's danger in that. There is um, danger in the yeah. sense that we could be manipulated or we could be lost in the astrals or we are not connecting to a viable source. So it's very important to know what and who we are connecting to. And I train all my students to connect first to higher self because our guides are always functioning through us. You don't actually have to connect to them. They're just always going to be there, always working through us. But our higher self will tell us where to go and manage everything. It's They can control the vehicle And that's a very powerful, safe place to connect. So we do a lot of training to access that first and then allow that to lead you and introduce you to other pieces that are valuable to the puzzle. When we talk about connecting with the higher self and that gateway, now that's the gateway to when we make that connection, we're able to then receive and channel information also through the guides and through our spirit team. I'd like to talk a little bit about the Akashic Records. And if you can explain to listeners out there who maybe aren't that familiar with the Akashic Records, what it is, how do you get information from the Akashic Records? So the Akashic Records are, it's the largest soul-level database known to spirit. And it has filed information of all of creation. So it it has everything that we can imagine. The exchange of energy, the evolution Mm -hmm. of energy. It goes further back than even this universe was created. And what we have is a collection of soul-level information. Now, energy is not made to die or end. It's made to be recycled. But because of that recycling, it has an energetic imprint in memory that sometimes we need to access. And there are situations or places where that memory, that energetic memory, that code could be damaged. So essentially, like when I'm healing someone and we are working with their past lives, an example of that might be Hiroshima. A nuclear bomb through the soul structure of a lot of people. And people were almost fused Mm -hmm. to that place on soul level damage. It was intense and it was very dangerous. So a lot of that memory was fused into and damaged. And therefore, like the records have the memory, but the soul would not. The soul is just deeply suffering because it's still struggling with the trauma of the fuse and not recorded And so the recordings, essentially the records help us access something that we can't physically receive or get because of damage or loss. So it keeps records for a reason. And the records are very highly protected. In fact, nobody really has access to the records in general. What we speak to are guides who manage the records. And they're like our United States, like justices, they're chosen very strategically based on their loyalty to the process and trust that has been earned over time. So we have guides of Akashia and the guides of Akashia are those who access the records and they do so for us. We are not allowed in the records because we have the ability to taint or misuse them and they're very sacred. Um, But what we do have access to is we always have access to our own past lives. That's something we can access through our connection to our own higher self. And that's very important for our connection, our understanding and our healing somewhere along the line. And even if we don't know we're accessing them, we're repeating them because they're all a part of our own energetic body. So we have access to that innately, just like we all have access to our gifts and we all have access to our guides. We have a lot more, I think, tools in the toolbox that we're fully aware of, and that's really powerful. So the records are something I use for clients. They have the birth and reconstruction or recycling of soul groups, the information about their history. They have information about our gifts, our purpose, our life planning Everything we do and everything we've ever done in the past is recorded in the record somewhere. It's very rare. I only have one incident where there was so much soul level damage that we couldn't retrieve a soul's origin. And it's because the damage happened after they were misplaced and they couldn't remember where they were. So 
it had never really been recorded, which was really fascinating to me because I'd never come across that before. I've read thousands of people and I've never seen that. Wow. Actually, I've never heard of that either. That's very interesting. Yeah. I've never heard of that. And so with my work, we were talking offline, I do the quantum healing hypnosis and I do a lot of work and uh, with my clients under hypnosis, we're in the, we do a lot of between life exploration. And I tend to find that this is a very similar place as to where I believe that the records are housed. Sometimes when my clients are in this space, though, they will be presented with a book or a scroll or something like that. But now you're saying that not everyone has access to the Akashic records and that they're only accessible like through a guide or through somebody to retrieve that information. So would you say that in that moment when my client, let's say, is opening a book and they see that's just basically like their higher self presenting that information to them in a way that's digestible? And it does make sense because they know that the records are so heavily guarded and not anybody can access them. Right. We all have access to our own records. And depending on our family line, some families and soul groups will have their own bolts. And so I've noticed mm-hmm. this with the Lemurian soul group. The Lemurian soul group has its own record system. It's the second largest database. So it's a completely different database that's even more guarded than the Akashic records. If you are not Lemurian, you are not allowed in at all. And Lemurians have a hard time being read wow. by other people because if you're of a different soul group, they don't allow themselves to be read by another soul group to protect the records because you can link through someone, you can link into someone into their records, right? If I'm reading you, because you have access to your records, I can read them through you because they're there. It's just knowing where to get them and how to access them. So I would say that those records, those reports, those stories are symbolic representation of our own access to our own higher self and our own information. And that there could be vaults and scrolls. And I've seen them to belong to our family lines or a lineage. So it would have your ancestral pattern. Or if you are a witch, sometimes we can access our witch records, which is really cool. And that's like what we would see as spiritual grimoires. It's really amazing. We can tap back in and channel or pull out old spells and old connections to information we've gathered in past lives. The yeah, Akashic all rec- of our lives are interconnected. Right. The records actually don't have books. They don't have paper. It's almost like it's hard to explain. It's like a quantum map and that we can move through the quantum map to see the development or the deconstruction of certain things. And all of these soul groups are mapped and the energy is mapped through that existence. So you can move through the quantum map. It's not actually a book or a piece of paper or anything like that. It's stored almost like in energetic record as we would see like in like wi-fi that's what i visualize i visualize like the wi-fi room if you could see what wi-fi looks like it might look like that and it's interesting because like i talk with a lot of akashic record readers and i think i hear different versions and so that's why i was asking is because i also think that at some level that maybe it's presented to different people differently would you say that you've come across that or that would be maybe a true statement or I think a lot of people don't know what they're connecting to, honestly. I think a lot of people uh, have to make assumptions because there's not enough information out there. And what we're talking about when we're connecting, you're talking about literally an infinite world. So if you see something, your mind may want to assume it means one thing. And then you, instead of just asking questions, which is why I said earlier, I'm almost like I was strategically naive And spirit, I was mad about this for a long time and I felt embarrassed about it for a long time because spirit said I wasn't allowed to understand other people's modalities or their belief systems or read their books or follow their teachings. And I was upset because I felt ignorant and I was very mad about that. And then I realized why. And it's because it's very easy to confuse things we are reading with things we are seeing, hearing, and feeling. Our mind cannot differentiate. So if we see something that sounds like something we've read, we make the link. So when I finished my book, Creation, they allowed me to go in and like learn more about people. And then I saw why. And it's because some things are very close, but not fully developed or that we made assumptions or that we don't really know what it was or how it showed up, which, like I said earlier, there are tons of different records. And the Akashic Realm Mm -hmm. is a library. It's actually a it's a whole entire like world. And We do life planning there. So there are a bunch of life planning facilities and buildings and processes and systems. And we're, we all have access to it. It's a, 
it's a multidimensional like quantum field of integration where every soul group comes. It's like a college, a campus where we all go to plan lives. We research, we meet ascended masters, we go to school. So I'd say that maybe 99% of the realm is actually accessible. The records themselves are just highly bolted because they have been energetically protected and are very sensitive and are very precious to humanity and connection. Mm -hmm. So we don't let walk through it. We don't let souls enter. But we do have guides designed to access records. Now, whatever room we set up for that is up to our own imagination. It's a process of symbology for the most part, right? Yeah. That it, especially if we are being hypnotized, if your hypnotist is creating symbology, then you will receive the symbology to get to the point to understand the purpose, which to us is like a book, right? Our mm -hmm. past lives aren't a book, but we access them through a book because it makes sense to us. Right. And with the type of hypnosis that I do, everything's open into questions. We would never, ever lead a client or anything like that. that that's one of the reasons why I love the Dolores Cannon technique so much is because we yeah. really are connect. Yeah, we're connecting in that quantum realm and they're channeling, they're receiving all of the information directly. And you know, when I came across Dolores, like, my whole life changed. <laughs> I was I used to be in the banking industry as a senior director in the corporate world. And <laughs> now, like in me, it's just, everything changed, like complete 180. But I love hearing you talk about the Akashic realm because actually when I had my first, my very first session, I was able to channel, I was able to channel the watchers. I'm sure that you're familiar with them. They may be referred to as the guides or the council. And I was told through my channeling that I normally reside in the Akashic realm and that I'm a teacher. And that what I do is I typically help people to prepare to come here to Earth. I teach them about Earth, like about the denseness and how to come in and how to access and connect with the higher self. And so that was like really interesting for me. They normally don't come and do life experiences is what the information that I was able to channel. And since then, I have a lot of my clients that connect there too. I have people uh, channel the assigners, people who work with like assigning lifetimes. And there's so much things that happen in the Akashic realm. It's, it's really an amazing place. So that's two really good points here. And I do discuss a lot of the different planning, like I call them planning centers that we have in the realm. Yeah. And one of the things that I think people just are not aware of is it takes billions of souls to plan a life. There's just so many different moving pieces for this. And like you said, even the fact that we have to assimilate to a human body and understand the density and become familiar with the difficulty in that. Absolutely true. And that's just one of billions of responsibilities that it takes to create this life, to prepare for it, and then to prepare the soul. And there's a whole bunch of really powerful processes that do go into that. And that's why I love Dolores is because she explores more of that, I've learned, and I just appreciate her so much. And the other really good point is that it takes billions of lives to come in and billions of people, but we still have free will, of course. And I think that's really important that you can literally billions of souls plan your life and yet we can still make mistakes. And Spirit explained to me one time that Spirit, that mistakes were actually the first step to evolution because it, if we planned it, we are going to know about it. But the mistake is a thing we didn't plan for. Therefore, it's the place we're forced to evolve. It's the place we're forced to recalibrate, to grow, to expand, to pivot. And that's evolution at its finest. And I thought that was really beautiful because I was getting frustrated with making all these mistakes or having this mistake surface. Even when you're looking at the records, there's these quantum plans and that the decisions of people can have major repercussions. And it's really hard seeing all of that fall apart all the time because of free will or judgment or hatred or war and things going unplanned or kind of falling apart. And then, so I was having my own little like breakdown because I felt sometimes it feels like you're the only one mourning the future we didn't have because they don't know what the plan was supposed to be. They're all just like blindly putting yeah. through and figuring it out as they go. But another thing I really love is people don't understand we have soul level jobs. And I laugh about that. We are infinite beings. Mm -hmm. What do you think we do out there? Like, <laughs> Do you think we just sit <laughs> and do nothing? Of course we have soul level jobs. All of us have soul level jobs and a lot of us work in the realm because it's a part of what we're already doing. It's a part of the integration process. And that's a really important. And I've learned a lot about energy and incarnation studying other people's jobs because they're specialists in that realm or world or field. And it's taught me a lot about just mm -hmm. clients on earth in general. Yeah, a couple points I want to go back and touch on. You said one thing that I find is that people also think that 
when we do this type of work that maybe we're not logical or that it's not science-based. And I saw that you work for the Edgar Casey University out of Virginia, which I was really fascinated about that. Hey, soul travelers, pardon the interruption, but I just have to tell you about quantum healing hypnosis because one session forever changed my life and now I'm living my purpose to help others just like you. I was so lost in my life and absolutely miserable in my career until I received the guidance needed from my higher self. Now I'm spreading awareness about the life-changing modality of quantum healing hypnosis. In one single session, we will spend the day journeying deep into your subconscious mind and unlock the hidden wisdom within. We'll revisit a past life, explore what your soul does between lifetimes. Your subconscious mind will scan your body, looking for health concerns and perform self-healing. You'll even connect directly to the Akashic Records so that you could get your most important life questions answered. Quantum healing hypnosis is absolutely nothing like a traditional hypnosis session. And you know that everything is 100% legitimate because nothing is being filtered through a third-party practitioner and your higher self will never misguide you. Your session is audio recorded so that you could listen back and play all of the advice that your higher self spoke to you under hypnosis. So if you're ready for personal growth and a positive change, then it's time to discover the essence of who you truly are. Book a session with me today at thesoulexperiences.com. Now back to the show. And so you do, it's my understanding that you do various case studies and things in your role there. Is that correct? I do that on my own. Actually, I do that on my own. I have my own theories and stuff that aren't even Edgar Cayce related. And they do mostly Mm -hmm. Edgar Cayce stuff, but I I do teach there. That's amazing. It's so incredible. Yeah. And so when we talk about, though, like maybe people who think that the type of work that we're doing, that it's not logical or it's not backed by science, that's really not the case. And so like, what information or research have you done that you can like tie back to those people who might be doubting the type of work that we do? Well, it's been a beautiful process and a learning experience. I think that in general, the type of work we do may generate a lot of judgment by nature because we're talking about some really yeah. interesting, fascinating things. And A couple of things that have really even blown my own mind, and this is what pushed me into doing more research and creating more studies and trying to understand the pattern, is that when I first started, when I first started this, my first reading ever, I had gone to a haunted house and I knew nothing about the haunting. I knew nothing about the story. I was there for my boyfriend at the time. And I was there because it was on his bucket list. And I thought, whatever, I don't even like this stuff. I don't even care about it. And I was seeing, hearing, and feeling things that were immediately confirmed. And it was the first time I had confirmation. It was the first time that I could see, hear, feel something. And then the tour guide immediately was like, this is what happened, or this is true, or some people say this. And like one of an example was he was talking. And as soon as he started saying that maybe Lizzie Borden wasn't the murderer, she came up and grabbed his neck and held his neck. And he said, I always get choked up on this part, and I'm not sure why. And essentially, she was choking him because she was the killer and she was very emotional and very upset that they were discrediting the work she did because what she told me was she had been sexually abused by her father and very controlled by him her whole life and she wasn't allowed to have boyfriends or friends or have a life at all and that she was tired of it and she snapped and she protected her and her sister because her sister didn't have the courage to do it. So her sister was out of town and she did what she had to do. And she did butcher them and she admitted to that and then admitted to the sexual abuse and the anger she felt. And I read this all during this tour and I was like mind blown. And then I thought, I'm making it all up. And then I saw children running up and down the hallway, ghost children. I could hear them screaming and crying and playing and having a good time. And gosh, I thought, what the hell are children doing here? I know there's no children in the story. And they said, we died down the street. We drowned in the house down the street. And I thought, why are you here? And they said, attention, it's fun to play here. There's always new people here. And I was like, oh, okay, that's weird. And then I said, why are there children upstairs? And he said, they died down the street. Apparently they come visit sometimes. Other mediums have seen them. And I was just like, I'm getting chills right now thinking about it because it was the first time I had been in a situation where I was reading anything at all. 
And he goes, oh, how long have you been doing this? You're getting more information than all of our other psychics and teachers that come in to evaluate the, the building. And I was like, it's literally my first time. I didn't even know I could do this. And he was mind blown. And he was my like, gosh. <laughs> and I was like, I just need to go sit in my car for a minute. And I remember sitting in my car and calling my mom, freaking out, thinking like, what? is happening. And she was like, you've always had gifts. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, I've always told you you were special. And I told her on the phone, I was like, I thought you meant dumb. Like, I thought you meant I was dumb, like special. <laughs> and she was like, no, you read everything. You're very sensitive. You're gifted. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't know. <laughs> but our whole family is super sensitive. Our whole family <laughs> is so It was normal for me. I just thought I was, I thought everybody could do that. So being in a group of people who couldn't and then having it all directly confirmed like boom was it just blew me out of the water and I sat in the car and I just hyperventilated a little bit and it's like I didn't even want to enjoy this <laughs> and here I am <laughs> so it was the first time I realized I had gifts my, my whole reality shattered and then I realized all right well I guess I gotta do something about that <laughs> And then I started, I, it was funny, I was seeking teachers, I was seeking mentors, I was seeking people who could tell me stuff and give me answers. And I found nobody, I found nothing. And it was really disheartening. My mom came with me and she was always, and it was, and that's when spirit was like, no, you have to, you're the answer, you need to listen, you need to channel, you need to pull in, you're the teacher. And I was like, oh, but I don't really know what I'm doing. So I just tried it and trusted. And then like four months later, I was teaching a class. And then like, Three months later, I was pulling in everybody's past lives and my gifts just kept getting more and more intense and they still haven't stopped. They're still evolving and growing. And I tell people that's how you know that you're doing the work and functioning in a high vibrational way because gifts are supposed to evolve. And a lot of people don't know that. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't understand that gifts are supposed to evolve. And then we stay stuck and we don't realize that's a major red flag, that something is wrong, that we may not connect to a high vibrational source, that we are not understanding the gift well, or we are not using the gift appropriately because they grow. Any energetic channels we continue using will manifest. They continue growing and growing until they're dense enough to manifest physically as a gift. So the more we use it, the more it grows. And that's really important. As for like the science about it, it started with science, right? Because that to me, I was always a skeptic. And I realize now mm -hmm. why I was a skeptic. I was a skeptic because I read so much that other people's BS was felt silly for me. I remember one time I went to a medium and she said that there was a man there and that he was wearing a white t-shirt and pants. That's all she told me. And she couldn't give me any more information. And I paid her and just left. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, I can't deal with that. So I yeah. realized, well, I am hard to read, but I realized that it wasn't enough. And, and that's why I started distrusting the process and why I was such a skeptic, because I wasn't getting enough information from people. And if it can't be unique, if it can't be tested and have more detail, then to me, it's not really a gift yet. It's more like a budding gift or a developing experience, which I do believe everybody has intuition. And I do believe everybody has gifts, but it takes a lot of training and focus and practice to get it stronger and stronger through time. So the evidence to me has always been very important. And I think that's why that particular event and situation was what shook it for me because I just showed up and knew there was no way I would know that. There is no way I could have ever gotten that information without being in this exact situation. And that really opened up my life and my eyes. And I realized, oh, okay, well, I can do more of this. So the way my session started, which is also very powerful for my own evidential practices, I started doing remote sessions or reports <laughs> is what I call them. Because when I access records, I don't really need to be live with someone. I just need your birth information and I go into your records and I deliver what I find. So that's how I started at first. I just started taking people's information and doing a remote report where I just had their birth name, birthplace, birth date. I track the soul, go into the records, pull a report, send it over and not seeing what they look like, not seeing their face, not knowing anything about their ethnicity, their language, anything like that. I could read all of their life patterns. I could read their belief systems, their fears, their phobias. And these are things like, I broke my leg in that life and had an infection. I've had four knee surgeries in the same place and I couldn't figure out why or yep. what was wrong with my leg. And it was that it was never healed, right? Or something like, right. <clears throat> 
I've always been afraid of having children. And meanwhile, we pulled up four lives of like tragic infant loss and trauma and um, birth defects. So that I didn't know anything about that. And yet they tell me like, oh, that's been my greatest fear my whole life. That stopped me my whole life. That's repeated in this life. The same thing happened in this life. So we have all this powerful evidence or we do psychic sessions mm -hmm. with everybody's trauma pattern in this life. And they were like, oh my God, that was my whole life. So for me to see all of that powerfully evidential without any influence from the outside world was really what kept me going. I need evidence. So I loved that yeah. and I kept growing and growing through that. And then now what I'm doing is finding ways to collect evidence and to understand energetic issues or patterns or traumas and how they surface in the physical body. So an example of that is, I have a lot of examples, but uh, I guess I would say one <laughs> easy is I was working with someone remote and they happen to have a lot of head trauma. And so we're clearing and clearing all of this head trauma. And then one day I get this beautiful long email of someone I never met in person, never knew anything about that says, I was diagnosed narcoleptic and I'm no longer narcoleptic. I've been my whole life and wow. suddenly I'm not. And I didn't realize that all of this head trauma we were clearing and healing and connected to any physical illness. I never made that assumption, right? And so I was mind blown. So for the first time in their life, they were able to keep a job, to change their life, to heal better, to worry about their health, to stay focused, to stay awake, to be better parents. And it was so beautiful that it had that type of impact without knowing anything about them. So what I yeah. want to do is more things like that, where I can continue evaluating people, proving or seeing things that happen in their lives and use the diagnosis and kind of swap the diagnosis, work to heal it somehow. So I want to, like in a situation like that, we would use her diagnosis and we would use the new, the new results, the things that changed in sessions. So there's a lot of examples of that. That one I like because it was a manifested physical diagnosable issue that no longer exists. And I think that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. And I find too, as a past life you know, regressionist, that so much that we are going through in our current life is directly linked to past lives. And I had a client once, I'll just share briefly the story, who came to me, was having a lot of pain in her stomach. It was in the upper left quadrant. She was about, I think, 20, 25 when she came to me. And she sat there and she cried in my chair. She came from an in-person session and said that she'd gone to doctors. She'd gone for Reiki. She changed her diet and she couldn't figure out where the pain was coming from. And when we ended up going into regression and doing the, the past life portion, she had regressed to a young lady who had been stabbed in an alleyway right in the exact spot where she is experiencing the pain in this lifetime. And so we were able to clear that and let go of that because it had impacted and damaged the soul so much on a soul level that she was carrying that tie with her into this lifetime. And when we cleared it, I don't follow up with my clients. I figure like they'll come back to me and they'll follow up with me. And about three, four months later, I get an email, this nice long email about how she have, hasn't had any pain in the stomach and that everything has been cleared and that she feels fine. And I have so many stories like that, but I do really, I resonate a lot with that one because she had tried everything. I think that sometimes people, that they don't realize that, that our souls are the same and that we can carry and bring with us into all of our lifetimes, previous tragedies or traumas and incarnations, people still like to doubt. I'm sure that you get it a lot too. I hear so many times people are like, oh, that they don't believe what came through or that I made that up. And I find it interesting that people have a hard time believing the information that their higher self is giving them. And so I know for you, you connect differently with the past lives. Like you, you channel the past life for clients so do you, what do you say like when people maybe doubt or do you come across like doubters or people questioning the validity of um, it? And a couple of things, a couple of things. When it comes to the ways our past life affect us, I think this is really important for a lot of people because I think understanding is the key to releasing and healing the problem. And so many things about what mm -hmm. you said are so valuable. And I don't want that to go missed for you know anybody listening here. And it's that when we decide we're ready to play in life in the Akashic realm, our higher self, our master soul will fragment into multiple pieces and start planning different lives. And that those yes. pieces can also haunt. And usually what happens is a tragic death, like a murder in an alleyway, actually becomes a haunting. They sever the connection from the body, sever the connection from the higher self. And therefore, the only food source they have is linking back to any current living being. 
that's quantumly connected to them. So this is a past life version of ourselves, right? So what it's doing is calling you for help. And the danger with that is that most people don't even understand that's happening. If you have some random pain that you've gone to the doctor for, they have no diagnosis, no information, do not get Mm -hmm. surgery, do not get medicine, at least try first to see a healer. Because what happens, the danger is most people will either have surprise surgery or medication. And that can create a whole bunch of physical problems that we could have just healed from the very beginning. So I've seen people on a lifetime of medicine completely destroy themselves over past life trauma that could have been healed energetically before it all manifested into this physical pain issues, disease, and all these other problems. So I just wanted to put that out there because that's so important and absolutely powerful. And past lives surface really interestingly. First, they will surface as we can trigger past lives just like we trigger trauma in this life, right? If I have a tragic memory with a clown where I saw a clown kill someone, every time I see a clown, it may trigger a past that particular trauma, that memory. Now, if I had a tragic past life where something tormented me or hurt me, when I see that thing or feel that thing again, I may accidentally trigger a past life. Like, for example, when there was threat of war in America, all of my clients triggered past life traumas with war, fear, fearing for their house. Pandemic triggered all lives of pandemic. So all of my clients yeah. came rushing to me with pandemic trauma, illness, like all the problems, feeling unsafe, feeling paranoid, PTSD, all these things that surfaced from that particular fear. So it's it's just important for, you know, I know you know it, but for other people to recognize how it first surfaces emotion than physical pain and issues. And that's after that, we're supposed to see the visuals. That's how we self-repair. But the idea is if we are not healed or cleared or trained, we may not self-repair. We may just sit in the feeling and the physical pain and then go medicate, right? And then that's the danger. But you asked something else and I can't remember what it was. (laughs) Oh, I was asking about people who doubt or question the past life. It's interesting. Like, I get that. And I'm like, my modality is a little different. I'm like, but you channeled that. So why are you doubting yourself? And so I'm wondering, like, do people question what you bring to them? And how do you know, like, how can you tell them or convince them that it's real? So I had a therapist send me a lot of her clients. And one of the clients immediately said, I don't agree with this, or I don't know if I feel this. And it was funny because it's the first time it had happened to me. And I really was upset. I panicked and I was very upset about it. And then the therapist who referred the client said, absolutely not. It's totally her. We're dealing with integrating it. And then the woman continued booking sessions. So obviously along the line, she realized there was some use for her. But what I later learned about her, this was pretty early in my career. So what I later learned about her is that she struggled self-identifying. She struggled acknowledging her own reality. So this does happen with people who have narcissistic tendencies or qualities where they struggle facing their emotional body. They struggle with emotion in general. So any type of emotion will feel unfamiliar to them. And that's their biggest trauma. So they don't Mm -hmm. understand their own emotions. They don't understand the way they affect themselves. They do sometimes tend to blame other people. So it's like, it's not my fault. It was their fault. I didn't do that. They did that. I don't get a lot of that. That would have, that would have been the only example. I do have people that get upset that they're not the people they thought they were. And then we talk about who they actually were. And One thing I've learned that I would like, again, to share with everybody, because it's such a big thing and you know all about it already. It's not really for you, but we can't all be Cleopatra. We can't all be Queen Victoria. We can't all be famous people. And usually what I have found is my clients who were famous people had horrible trauma because of it. And they usually hated the person. So they would have this weird angst and avoidance and emotion about that person that other people wouldn't have. While the rest of the world is admiring and loving and glorifying this person, they struggle with that person and they criticize that person and they rip them to pieces. They don't want to see them. They don't like their work. They don't want to go back to that. And that's that's the type of trauma. They're afraid of people. They're afraid of energy. They have major anxiety. They have fear of public speaking. Like when we are famous, I think it's important for people to understand the pressure that comes from that, that you could be quite literally destroyed energetically over fame, that the more attention directed at you, the more trauma you will face. So usually people of fame have completely destructed souls that struggle with anxiety, don't like public speaking, don't like attention. They run from the pain. And usually the people that obsess over the life are fans, which you got to consider like Marilyn Monroe had millions of fans 
You could have been a friend or a fan or someone who obsessed. You could have been tied to that emotionally and energetically and feel familiar to it, but it doesn't mean you were her. So we do confuse our emotions with that. But the way I like to explain it is like, think about a book of your life. It's going to be the closest connection to you. And yet there is so much that nobody will ever know about you, right? You cannot put all of your information in one book. What you're going to do is review highlights. You're just going to talk about the most important things to you. They're not going to know anything about who you are as an individual. And if you don't know about someone's true essence, true nature, their struggles, their fears, what they've been through and why they would do something or their shame or the things that are not openly public, then that wasn't you. If you only know the things that you could review through public content and information, then that wasn't you. If you only know the person as other people know them, as a glorified version, if you're unable to see the reality of their situation, the humanity or the struggle, that wasn't you. And I think that's really huge for people because we get trapped in a lot of that. And yeah, it's really common. And I, I had one person get mad because they weren't the person they wanted to be. And I thought it was interesting because the mm-hmm. life she wanted to be like, it, she just didn't really know the real story, which again, we over glorified the experience. So it wasn't even that exciting of a life, but it just wasn't her life. So it's just very interesting. It's so interesting that you say that because I've had clients as well, very similar. Most of the lives, I'd say 99% of the lives are what I would call like digging potato lives. They're just, they're plain and simple lives. Not everybody was famous. And when my clients are under the hypnosis and their higher self is talking through them and bringing forward that past life, I just find it so interesting that when they wake up that they question it and they're like, that's not true. And they get angry about it. And I do wonder on a soul level, like why that is. But I think that you've explained it, like because they they get, because they're angry about that past life or they have those emotions linked to that person or to that situation. So I, I find that very interesting. If you are processing a life and you start rejecting or feeling angry or jealous or upset and you start shaming that life, shaming your experience, then that creates more trauma. That life will never actually heal because that's not what it needs. You can't go to a traumatized person and and say, how dare you? Why would you do that? I don't like you. I don't want you. I don't love you, right? It doesn't help heal. If you can't heal that fragment, you can't integrate it. You can't allow that to bring peace to you. So it's important that when we review something like that, we do step into a place of reception and forgiveness and understanding. But Spirit explained this to me one time. I've been doing this thing recently with where they're walking me through the emotional body and then how every emotion is useful, even emotions we wouldn't necessarily deem as useful, like anger. And what so one of the things they taught me was that anger is the last expression of emotion, that if we have a lot of repressed energy, emotion and trauma, it will eventually surface as explosive anger. And if you understand that, we're no longer afraid of anger. We see someone's pain bubbling to the surface, right? And we can now face that. We don't take it personally. And then the other thing they said was manipulation is someone sharing information that they can't connect to their audience. And what that means is if I am a channel to energy, And I want somebody to understand the message, but they're maybe here with their journey. They just started. They're very disconnected. They have a lot of fear. They have a lot of trauma. They're very easily triggered. But I know that this information could really help them. And I want them to have it. I want to put it in their face. I want to plant that seed. I see, I know it will benefit them. It will change their whole lives. So I might try to get them to take a bite, but that can be manipulation, but it's me trying to get understand something that I know will be very beneficial for them. But what happens to that person, to that client? They hate Mm -hmm. being manipulated. They cannot fathom something they aren't ready to understand. They can't accept it. They can't receive it. Their brain rejects it. They go into self-defense, right? And that, to me, that particular thing that you said, that rejection, that's because it shatters their mind too much, that they weren't really ready to deal with the depth of that message. They weren't really ready to see themselves so deeply So they start getting defensive and they start rejecting it. And that to me shows fragility in the mind that it's too much for them and they've taken on too much and they can get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. and Well, I hear what you're saying and I agree. And the difference is with why I am so gravitated towards the modality that I do is that I'm not presenting anything to the client at all, like at at all whatsoever. As a practitioner, I'm 100% on the sidelines. They connect wholeheartedly through their higher self. The higher self will always take care of them. It will guide them 
and it knows exactly what they do need to receive to heal. It's not going to bring forward something that they're not ready for. And sometimes they are a little resistant when they first wake up and they come out of that experience. And I remind them that this came forward. Your higher self specifically chose this lifetime, this situation, or or this death experience or whatever came through because it, it is what you need for your healing journey. It's, it's something that you need you need to work through. And it the quantum mm-hmm. healing, like we release or we cut the cords or we sever or we have the subconscious scan the body and release those blocked emotions and traumas. So sometimes like when they wake up and they're coming out of it, they could be a little disoriented because it's so much deep work that we do. And maybe for a lot of my clients, it's the first time that they've done something like that. And it's usually the first time that they've even connected to their higher self or even been in hypnosis. But the higher self is always guiding and bringing that through for them because it's something that they, they were supposed to receive and to heal from. Right. Well, you know what I like to think of our higher self like our parent. And mm-hmm. that we make our parents like such a jerk when we're younger, like a jerk. They make us clean our room. They make us eat healthy. They made me eat that broccoli. Like what a jerk, right? right? Think you're so, how dare you? And so humans um, are stubborn. They can be childish. They can be difficult just because we're ready for it. Spirit does. We do need to challenge, right? Parents challenge their children. We, that's our job to challenge and educate and guide so it isn't always butterflies and rainbows. We're supposed to challenge you. There is no growth without being mm-hmm. challenged. There's no growth without shattering your reality. Yeah. All I was trying to say is sometimes we respond with self-defense, especially if you have someone whose first time it was mm-hmm. shattering reality. They can get very defensive because they're afraid of new information. But then it takes time. I would say they the seed has been planted. They will hear that. They will hear that because their higher self delivered that. Oh, yeah. Right? So eventually it will settle. Oh, 100%. Knowing your behavior, you never forget your sessions. And I've never forgotten any of my past lives. Mm. Never forget after the first experience. But all I was saying is the natural human psychology and mind will respond sometimes in self-defense. And I do it all the time. We all do it. Like, for example, we're scrolling through social media and there's a post (laughs) and it totally called us out. And we're like, oh, but real. Yeah, I feel that's totally. (laughs) It's just (laughs) Sometimes they got to call us out. Sometimes they got to shatter our delusion, shatter our belief system, lead us the right way. Tell us, mm-hmm. get your head out of your ass. Like, what are you doing? Like, this is the answer. Why are you choosing suffering? Why are you choosing pain? Here's the solution. And yeah. we can feel like, oh my gosh, that's so rude or that's so hard or that's so difficult or how dare you. But in the end, it's always best for us. Absolutely always best for us. So they always know better, just like our parents, right? Oh, 100%. And you know what's really interesting, Jasenia, is that those are always the people that reach back out to me, to your point. Like once they've processed and they've integrated that, I always hear back from them saying, wow, like I really needed that. And specifically one person comes to mind who had a really traumatic past life where they were chained in a dungeon and they were beaten and it was even as a practitioner it was hard like hearing them channel this information and so you know sometimes it's not what we expect to come through like you said like we don't know what the higher self is going to show us and they can be to your point very defensive at first like why was I shown this why was I shown this and it's, like, it's your higher self brought that forward because you need to release it and so Sometimes it can happen where they are defensive, but they always reach back out and say thank you and, you know, that how they were transformed or the session changed their life or they're still learning and healing and things to continue to come through because you always remember that. Like once we recall or unearth those memories, it, it's really it, – they take that with them. It becomes like part of us, like almost like integrated, at least from my experience. That's why I call it reintegration. So I call my modality slow reintegration exactly yes. because of, because – we are reintegrating and taking in the information, remembering it. So it becomes, I say, we move it from subconscious to conscious. Now we can learn and we can use yes. the tools we've learned, the lessons we've learned, but we're done with the trauma stays. It's gone. Yeah, I'd love to know what you're working on next or what projects you have that are going on. What can listeners expect from you? I'm working on a bazillion things. <laughs> I'm I'm working on creating a bunch of modalities and classes and content. And I'm also, so right now, I guess my current live project is just, I'm I'm just working with people through subscriptions and groups. I have what I call like my shadow work group where I put in homework and assignments based on astrology or energy or channeled messages from spirit or sometimes client themes for that week. 
And I give people like a rundown of what to expect and a guide for homework. And then they go review. And then there's a bunch of other chats live in the group where we talk about spiritual music, spiritual dreams, connections, memes, like we just hang out. It's a really fun group. And then I do the, I do bi-weekly group coaching, which is a lot of fun. It's just teaching and then doing messages live for people. So we read people live and answer questions and teach things. We've taught things like sexual connection, relationships, fetishes, gifts, training, protection. Last week, it was actually about the disconnection from soul to body and why that happened in the records and all the information we learned about that and then how we would heal that. So that's the group coaching program. And then I do have packages where I work with people one-on-one. And that's for people who are ready to do the work. And I get a lot of really amazing people that way that are really excited for their own healing and transformation and self-discovery. And it's been a lot of fun. And uh, what is your website and social media accounts for listeners who would love to connect with you? I'm on social media as Soul Architect Jesenia. And my website is linked through, the, through my social media, but also on it's Jesenia Nazalillo. Beautiful. It's been so lovely connecting with you today. I really enjoyed our conversation and hearing about your modality and how you came across uh, creating Soul Architect. It's such a beautiful story. Is there any final thoughts or words of advice you'd like to leave listeners with today? Stay open-minded, I guess. It's so beautiful. I think when it comes to past lives, it's really fascinating to me that people are still struggling with the idea that there's more than just this lifetime. Mm. I think that's really rare right now that most people are opening up to the idea that we're multidimensional beings to a degree or we have memory outside of this life. And if you are someone who's still challenged with that, I would consider that my favorite piece of knowledge to crack people open is that if we have a fear of phobia that was not connected to this life's experiences, it's usually past life experience that we've had some traumatic moment or memory or issue. For example, like If we fear dark water, if we fear swimming in the ocean, if we fear the dark, if we fear Mm -hmm. things on our neck, how many people have I had like won't wear jewelry because they have such a sensitivity around their neck and think that's normal? It's not normal. That's a trauma. (laughs) But even better, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Are grounded from them. So it's just, it's good to crack people open and get them kind of considering the reality of it all. But Also, it's okay to just respect where everybody's at and let them be in their own world, however that fits. But thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by The Soul Experience, quantum healing hypnosis. Are you ready to embark on an inward journey of quantum healing? Quantum healing hypnosis is the most profound method of inner work and self-healing someone can do while on a spiritual path. In a single session, you experience past life regression, exploration between lifetimes, self-healing performed by your subconscious, release of trapped trauma, and answers to your most important life questions. Your higher self has a message for you and is here to help you and guide you on this life journey. Book a session today with Jennifer Mitchell at thesoulexperiences.com.